back to Garbage Film. This is the show that seeks to prove that arty and trashy movies have a lot in common. Don't need to enjoy just one or the other. So we'll take this week's movie and pair it with something artier or trashier and hope that you discover a new favorite, or at the very least, get some entertainment. And this week we are continuing the month with no name. It's all about westerns all the time. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Nick, and with me is the good to my the ugly, uh, my co-host and partner, Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Nick. I'm gonna. I can't wait for us to get into what a backhanded compliment that is. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. I was just going on the superficial level. So. Oh, that's there fair. You go. Yep. All right. Our cat is the bad because she won't shut her fucking mouth. I was literally going to be like, hoping that you'd ask me, like, well, the cat, of course, you see. (laughs) Sorry to take that moment away from you. It's true. It's She's a... (laughs) We're mad at our cat this morning. Uh, Which is good. We're bringing a lot of passion to our discussion on. I'm not comfortable with that emphasis. Doesn't feel right, but I'm sticking with it, uh, because this week we are talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Hey, blood! You know what you are! Just a day, son of a It's so it's so hard not to do the wow wow wow. The silliest way of singing in any yeah, soundtrack. It like sounds a, so sarcastic goofy. every time. Yeah, it does. Ah, <laughs> oh, I love it. This is one of my favorite movies. Yes, it is, and we are very Full excited stop. to talk about it today. Yeah, we are. Uh, and before we even get started, of course, everyone that is interested in spaghetti westerns in general, we'll get into what that means if you don't know in a little while. But uh, Sergio Leone, just go watch every one of his movies. You'll probably have fun. Yeah. And I you'll mean, s- yeah. you'll enjoy <laughs> yeah. movies. Yourself. Uh. <laughs> I just realized I'm forgetting about some of his movies that yeah. are serious. <laughs> Wholeheartedly recommend for fun and non-fun reasons. There yeah. you go. If nothing else, the, uh, the Dollars Trilogy, of which The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly is the final installment. Mm-hmm. And if you want to read it a certain way, technically a prequel to the other yeah. two movies. Uh, so the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's from 1966, which I meant to check. Fistful of Dollars is from 64. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. So uh, the spaghetti westerns are wild. We'll talk about <laughs> that later. That uh, this is the third movie um, after they kind of came into existence for the most part. Yes. It is directed by Sergio Leone, as I mentioned, who is great, uh, very charming Italian stereotype. Uh, screenplay <laughs> is by him, Luciano Vincent. Oh, here we go. It's oh boy, Luciano Vincenzoni. Vincenzo. Vincenzoni. Yep. Okay. Who can say? Uh, <laughs> Probably Luciano. And uh, a a duo of screenwriters that were like comedic Italian screenwriters. Oh. Age and Scarpelli is what they called themselves. <laughs> Leone and uh, Luciano uh, avow any of the work they say. At most, they got a single line into the movie, and it's not very good. They cut everything else out. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> they thought it was the worst. I wondered why I didn't never, recognize yeah. those names. Yeah, okay. But it does sound, if you were to like invent a pair of Italian clowns, that's what you would name them, for sure. I okay, mean, Scarpelli. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, this is starring Clint Eastwood, Lee Van Cleef, and, of course, Eli Wallach. Goat. Yep. 
and uh, many other Italian faces. Very importantly, music here is by Ennio Morricone, Mm -hmm. true saint in our hearts. Yes, Yes. the goat in our hearts. Yes. Our heart goat. (laughs) Uh, but let's, let's, shall we go through the events of this here movie? Let's fucking try. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm sure you, you have, whenever I talk about this movie, I'm like, oh, and then I forgot about the part where he, and then, so I <laughs> feel like you're coming at this with a calmer head. Please walk us through this movie. Well, let's see if that's true. So it's the last days of the American Civil War, a real nice backdrop for everybody. And we get the pulpiest opening. And this is like, when I think <laughs> of pulp, literally the definitions of pulp to me come from this movie and like... Americans trying to make Bruce Lee movies again. Those are like the two forms of pulp. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) So we open on The Ugly. Tuco Ramirez is assaulted while eating dinner. It's a great opening, and I love it. It's so good. It's it's this great, like, just landscape establishing shot, but then way too close to the camera, this just grimy, (laughs) ugly, sweaty motherfucker literally swings into view. I don't know what happens to him, but he's just like, the camera is too close. You can see every pore, every, (laughs) like... Just the, the sheen of grime on him. It's really great. It's like, did you like looking at that? Too bad. Here's this guy's face. That's literally, I, I don't want to go on too long in the tooth about Leone's thoughts on America, but that, that <laughs> shot specifically is made to be like, hey, you like the Old West and it's beautiful and everything like that? No, it's Guess ugly what? or wrong. Yeah, you were not correct. <laughs> so they, <laughs> this this guy is like part of a posse, I guess, and they're going yeah. into a, a building there are some gunshots, and then Tuco fucking bursts out the window with a leg of meat in one hand and his gun in the other hand. And it's he's so still good. chewing yeah, meat. It's still... falling out of his mouth. <laughs> he's having a great time. He is the ugly. <laughs> and we get that freeze frame, and it writes his the ugly in yep. script on the end. Which, to my knowledge, the first what like version of this in the very pulpy way. I would love to know. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, we. Anyway. That's the ugly. Sorry. See, this is what's gonna happen. This is what's gonna happen. Expect <laughs> a long cool. episode. I'm gonna be cool. Uh, the bad angel eyes, or in uh, the Italian sentenza is his Sentenza? name. Sentenza. Okay. He's uh, contracted to kill a former Confederate soldier, but before killing him, Angel Eyes interrogates the soldier about Jackson, a fugitive who stole a cache of Confederate gold. Mm. Uh, learning Jackson's new alias is Bill Carson, Angel Eyes kills the soldier and then his employer, so that he can find the gold for himself. Yes, he's bad. He gets a great line in his like. We haven't delved too well. I can stay away from it for a minute, but he he's <laughs> he, he's just right away. He's like, ah, you're the double crossing one. Interesting. Yes, and yeah. he it's all under the guise of professionalism. Yeah, his line is, well, I got paid, and when I get paid, I always finish the job. Yep. <laughs> and the guy has tried to like the soldier he was sent to kill offered him money. Yeah. So he's like, oh well, that's a good job. I'm going to go back and kill my boss. Who sucks. <laughs> the amount of like I can't go through all of them, but Lee Van Cleef in this the. Just outfit or attitude. Literally, he. This is a new archetype being formed. Like, yes, there are so many. The only thing I'm thinking of right now is because Star Wars is everywhere. Cad Bane is based on Lee Van Cleef in this movie. Oh, that's, is he actually? That's, yep, hundred percent. Just yeah. direct. They just Not copied surprised. his hat and his coat <laughs> and his and coat everything. and yeah, the his blue, attitude yeah. and he's blue. No, even wait, he kind of looks. He's got a pointy face in that same yep. way. Yeah, it's literally <laughs> modeled rules. after Lee Van Cleef. <laughs> I like that guy. All right. Uh, anyway. The good. We catch up with the man with no name, who is the only character to appear in the trilogy 
of the man with no name. No At this point, it's not. It, it, it has no... It's loose yeah. mythology. It's not It just like, happens to be Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. His name, he's called Blondie in this by Tuco Ramirez. So that's how I'll refer to him from now on, Blondie. He rescues uh, Tuco from these bounty hunters we saw in the opening. He then delivers him to the local sheriff for a $2,000 bounty, which is a lot of money back then. Uh, and as Tuco is about to be hanged, Blondo severs Tuco's noose by shooting it, setting him free. The two escape on horseback, split the bounty, and repeat this a bunch of times until uh, Blondie gets sick of Tuco and strands him in the desert. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. Good. I really like the sarcastic placement of his, like, freeze frame title. Yeah. Is when he leaves Tuco in the desert to die. To die. Good. But he doesn't shoot him in the face. That's the I, only reason yes. he's good. I personally shoot me in the face instead of leaving me to die of dehydration in the desert. Yeah. I Just would, my... Except being shot in the face rather than any inconvenience. So. <laughs> I'm always saying this. You asked me to shoot you in the face at the grocery store the other day. So they didn't have the raisins you like. I did. Uh, uh, so I get it. Is all I'm saying. So we've stuff. got our like. I love. I love the opening because it, it's the title cards of like told you who these people are, yep. but their actions are actually not. Yep. Yeah, Again, yeah. Leone is just all this entire movie is just Leone being like, "Are mm-hmm. Americans stupid? Check are this out." Are you guys out. fucking idiots? <laughs> It's all yeah. relative, baby. Tuco is just trying to run away from people who are trying to murder him. That's because all it's we all see. the crimes well, he committed. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's that. Like, uh, Angel Eyes is... He has weirdly the most code, yeah. the most moral code out of any of them, which is if I get paid to kill, I kill. Yeah. It's not great. But he's the bad for some reason. And then Angel, or, uh, Blondie, who's just like indiscriminately... F- fucking over the system to just to amass gold yep. for himself is the good. Mwah. America. Good intros, guys. Yep, yeah, anyway. I love it. Uh, but it sets up our nice... Our, we already have, like, Angel Eyes is off doing his own thing, but we got Blondie and Tuco. We know their relationship, so we just... That's like, yes. what is this, like 30 minutes? And it's like the introduction, basically. Yeah. We're not even in the first <laughs> act yet. Yeah. It's a long movie. It's a long movie, saying. yeah. And it, it's worth it, though. <laughs> Uh, after we've met the good, Angel Eyes continues his quest for Carson, with his search ending in a decimated Confederate camp where he's told that Carson has an eye patch. I enjoy... On this <laughs> oh, watch, thank you. On this watch, I really enjoyed his little detective hour he I has know, to his own. yeah, it's very satisfying to watch him, like, and just how long it would take to get oh, everywhere back then. Like, Jesus Christ. And you're having to, like, this is, like arguably past the last days of the war in that sort of chaos period. Mm. People are just retreating, looting, like just getting the fuck out of Dodge. And how would you find anyone in this this sort of environment? You listen for a bugle and hope it's yours? Like that's... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I really like this. um, First of all, everyone has an eye patch. Have you seen what this war Uh, is doing to people? Yeah, limbs off everywhere. Yeah. And the only real, like, majestic, we'll get into the music, I'm sure, but the real fucking, like, Saving Private Ryan majestic music cue happens at this Confederate camp. It's like this sweeping, like, you expect a flag to start waving in slow motion in the background, but it's just, it's the bloodiest thing I think anyone had probably ever seen at the time. Mm. Bodies piled on each other, bleeding down into each other. There's, like, one section of the camp is just for people who have lost their limbs and are just, like, 
just gone off to die in like a quiet place yep. a dog is gnawing on a on an exposed bone yep. in this pile of body like it's it's horrifying it is truly horrifying and this like fucking military soaring <laughs> trumpet thing. is happening yeah. in the background it's it's some real shit here's where i'll mention that this movie got heavily censored in america because of how it portrayed america <laughs> like literally that's the reason on paper is we don't like how this movie portrays america so oh. we're gonna edit it cool like, even though like i feel like if you made it that the confederates are bad but the union is good they would have gotten away with it but because it just the entire mm, message of this movie is look at all these sucked. fucking yokels yeah fair enough <laughs> Anyway. Uh, tangents everywhere. Yes, I'm so sorry. Oh, that's okay. Anyway, it's We're, a real fucking time. It is a time. Uh, and you know who's having a time? Tuco. He's bent on revenge. Yes. <laughs> so he... he catches up with Blondie and force marches him across a desert. Mm-hmm. Which is rough. Here's the shoot me in the face rather than Oh, generation. 100%, yeah. We get some real, like, horror movie music in it, too. Like, yeah. the blisters forming uh, on his face. It's so... I, like, oh. the depiction of dehydration in this is worse than any of the actual violence bestowed <laughs> on others. I would, I would agree. Yeah. 100%. As someone who is almost see-through white, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would die immediately, so it's almost fine for me. I would just shrivel up like a little raisin and die. <laughs> And I'd be stuck there. You'd last a up. little, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tuco won't even let him drink the water that he's washing his feet in. And Tuco's got his cute parasol. He's I having a nice parasol. day in the desert. <laughs> he definitely stole that from a woman that he murdered, right? Like, oh, for angry? sure. Okay, yeah. all right. He cool. is, after all, the ugly. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after this force march goes on for some time, a runaway horse-drawn hospital ambulance or headquarters coach, I can't quite tell what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, it arrives. Uh, it's full of di- dead and dying Confederate soldiers. Hooray! And flies. <laughs> <laughs> Including uh, near-death eye-patched Bill Carson. <gasps> this is the one guy in the world with an eye-patch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he promises Tuco the $200,000 in Confederate gold that's buried in a grave in Sad Hill Cemetery in exchange for help. When Tuco goes to help him, he dies. Yep. But Blondie is sat by and he you know, says, like, hey, I know, the, I know hey. the grave. Yeah. I do love this bit of, like, this man has $200,000 in gold, which, what is that, like, $4 billion yeah. fucking dollars? Like, he, he just wants one drink of water. Yeah. Good job, Bill. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah. But it's... Blondie's managed to, to crawl up beside him and, like, Bill has whispered his dying words into <laughs> Blondie's ear so they each have a piece of the location. Yeah, piece of the map. map. It's yeah. so fun. I love that dynamic. And... Uh, Tuco understands immediately what has to happen. Yep. He takes Blondie to a hospital, basically. <laughs> yeah. Straight fucking away. Yeah. He, like, commandeers that coach and yep. he's like, right, here he we go. He steals Bill Carson's eye patch yeah. and snuff box and off he goes. Oh, yeah, to get through, like, Confederate checkpoints yep. and stuff, right? Uh, but they go to a monastery where, coincidentally, Tuco knows the Padre. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's his bro, his big bro. And they meet up and it does not go well. And this is, like, the only bit of characterization backstory we get for any of them right pretty much yeah we learn that blondie is from illinois and that's it at one point i assume that's a lie (laughs) probably (laughs) yeah i don't know yeah it is it really is it's this funny like this family it's not even torn apart by war it's just life back then sucked yeah that's it like the brother had to go off to priest school and and Tuco had to stay behind and take, take care, care of the, the family. Parents, yeah. So he felt abandoned, and so he, like, turned to a life of crime to support them, essentially. And, and that is such an easy way to paint, like, he turns to a life of crime because he's so resentful of what society's mm, done, whereas the yeah. priest has been, like, 
I mean, he probably hasn't had a good life, no. but he has been, he has had shelter and support and, and like, food. Yeah, a place yeah. to be. Like, the, it's just such a, like, chef's kiss, beautiful little thing. And, like, yeah. this movie is, all the Man With No Names movies, like, the first one is about the Man With No Name, actually. <laughs> the second one is about Lee Van Cleef's character, and yes, this right. one is about Eli Wallach. Yeah, that's so true. Like, yeah. Th- yeah. This is Eli Wallach's movie to Oh, me. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Which Clint Eastman didn't like, but what does Clint Eastman What do you- like? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> God bless him. That fucking weirdo. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but uh, with that in mind, Tuco and Blondie leave the monastery knowing that they each have uh, half of the secret to, to get to the gold. And they join forces. <laughs> Team it's, up. It's kind of sweet at first. Like... Yeah. Blondie accidentally overhears the the padre like tearing a strip off of Tuco for abandoning the family. Like yeah. father died, you weren't there, and blah, blah blah. And Tuco's like, "Where the fuck were you?" Like they have this little spat, and then they get back in the in the coach. And Blondie's like, "You know," Blondie just offers him kind a cigarette. Of, uh, yeah, one yeah. of his little cigars that he has, and it's just like he's never shared anything. Mm. He has never made life easier for Tuco at all, or vice versa, arguably. <laughs> but yeah, it's just this tiny little moment of like, hey, your your life totally fucking sucks. Would you like a small, tiny pleasure? This yeah. little cigar. And then go. go have a nap, and I'll drive yeah. the carriage. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> So they have a nice agreement, and I like Tuco talks about the map that they're going. And they're basically like mm. going from the easternmost point of Texas to the western coast of of the U.S. Basically, oh jeez, are they? Like it's okay. an amazingly long trip that they're talking about. <laughs> uh, so a couple of days in, I suppose, yeah. they uh, are apprehended by Union forces because they mistake them for Confederate forces. I really enjoy that bit where this is the only reason, by the way, that I remember what color each <laughs> uniform was in Same. this American Civil War. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they start hollering and waving like, oh, friends, friends, like they're wearing Confederate. They're not in the Confederate Army. They're wearing the, the uniforms for disguise. Mm. And they say, oh, gray guys, gray guys. Hello. We're hello. gray like you. We're gray. <laughs> And they ride up, and then they start brushing all the dirt off of themselves because they've been galloping through the desert, and it's blue underneath. I really like that. <laughs> and in they go to a POW camp. Womp womp. That Angel Eyes has infiltrated or is part of the Union Army and is a sergeant. I can't tell. I got the impression that he he is a Union officer. Which? That he always was. That's I'm... why he's running around murdering Confederate soldiers and stuff. Oh, that know. makes sense. Yeah, I take it that way too because part of Leone's whole deal with this movie is I want to show that both sides are awful and war is terrible. Yeah, but a like... horrifying person like this could easily become an officer in the quote-unquote good army. Yeah, and he has his like little cadre of of uh, goons. yeah, he's got his goon squad in the Union Army. Brute squad. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. It's yeah. definitely a brute squad. Mario Bega Brega as a uh, the glassy eyed oh, enforcer. Yes. yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you great. But during roll call, uh, Tuco admits to being Bill Carson and uh, Angel Eyes head fucking whips around. <laughs> yeah. I think there is an ay 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 at that point. Yeah. I think there is. These are the, these little bits of the soundtrack are deployed so sarcastically. I fucking love. So them. funny. I love it so much. Uh, so naturally, Angel Eyes beats the hell out of Tuco to try and get the info out of him mm-hmm. on uh, where the gold might be, and. After he beats him to a pulp and Tuco talks, he's like, great, okay, you go to die somewhere. Uh, I'm going to yeah. recruit Blondie and we're going to go and have an adventure to find this gold. What the fuck? 
this to me is a real like, oh, Tuco is a Mexican man. I can He's less than human. I can beat the hell out of him. But here's another white man, Blondie. I can trust him and we'll be friends. Yeah. Until I shoot him in the back. But. There, He does ask, like, he summons Blondie in mm. after he's done beating the shit out of Tuco. And Blondie's like, are you, you're not going to, like, me torture up. me? <laughs> he's like, would you have talked? No, probably. Like, <laughs> there's no, because he has enough respect for Blondie, you know, to yeah. be like, no, he's like a man of principles. He's not going to give up the location. <laughs> not this Mexican guy, though. <laughs> like, okay, cool, dude. But Tuco escapes his fate by killing uh, that aforementioned henchman and soon finds himself in an evacuated town where Blondie, Angel Eyes, and Angel Eyes' gang have arrived. Mm-hmm. And I just love this whole set piece. It's so great. The evacuated, burnt-out town. It's very good, yeah. One of these towns that, like, cannon fire from the north is, like, chasing them away. Yeah, that's what I assumed it is. It's just, like, it's it's collateral damage, and everyone's just bolting for it. Yeah. Tuco gets a bath. One of my favorite scenes. It's it's such a great scene. (laughs) (laughs) There's a cut to him, like, making little fart uh, squirts. Little splishies (laughs) with his hands in the water. (laughs) He's just having a great time. Tuco, I feel like, knows how to enjoy life the most. He does, yes. He's not a complicated person. Yeah, I feel like you could do where people take, like, ego, id, and superego for Jaws. I feel like you could put that onto this. Oh, you could, yeah, okay. uh, Tuco is all just, like, impulse and fun times and everything. Amazing. Tuco (laughs) and Robert Shaw, the same person. (laughs) I've never seen them in a movie together. Mm, They both grimace a lot. Yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway. Uh, Blondie finds Tuco and the pair work together to kill Angel Eyes' gang, uh, but he escapes and we get the fantastic uh, reveal of <laughs> Tuco is, is like mildly literate. And yeah, he's, he, they've left a note for Tuco and Blondie to find and he's just like, see you soon, idiot. And Blondie rips it out of his hand, see you soon, idiots. And then looks at him, hands it back, it's for you. <laughs> So there's so many funny fucking uh, moments in this movie. It is not a serious movie. No, it is not. And when I saw that it was like that a, a joke writing team had worked on the screenplay, mm. I was like, oh, this is probably theirs. And literally, was like, no, I wrote that. <laughs> they, I'm funny too, yeah, guys. They wouldn't know a joke if it shot them in the face. <laughs> a lot of face shooting. I, mm, in this, yeah. yeah, sorry guys, we're just in the zone. Yeah, <laughs> vibing with the GBU. <laughs> it's yeah, it's great gags in this movie. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and we get even more of them as uh, Blondie and Tuco join forces again and travel towards Sad Hill before winding up on the Union side of a military siege over a strategic bridge, which is this huge set piece oh. that I somehow always forget about. Somehow. I don't know how you yeah. do because it's very impressive. It is on location. Yeah. Nothing has ever been more on location <laughs> than this set piece. Uh, and it's this is where you get all the like... Do you pick up on the anti-war stuff we've been talking about? Like, the Union commander is drunk off his ass, and he's just like, I just want to blow up the bridge and leave. I hate it here. Every day I throw more bodies at this bridge. They throw more bodies at this bridge. We don't get anywhere. We're not allowed to blow up the bridge because both sides want it. What the fuck am I doing here? I don't want it. Yeah. (laughs) I certainly don't want it. Uh, So, Blondie and Tuco slightly enlist. (laughs) I think to get out of, like, suspicion, right? Because they crossed a checkpoint they weren't supposed to and they two go immediately is like oh we're here to enlist yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's what it is and the years where blondie just says like i'm from illinois yeah <laughs> that's fair that's he in the north right to, yeah <laughs> yeah you can hear him doing the mental math of like what's a safe place to say <laughs> yeah 
so Blondie and Tuco decide to do this captain a favor after he gets like mortally wounded. They're like, "We'll do one good for you." Mm-hmm. What does he say? Like, just keep keep an ear open or something like that. Or listen yes. close. Yeah, as the captain is like brought back on a stretcher, Blondie like kind of side eyes him and is like, "Just keep your ears open." Wink. And the captain's like, "I'm bleeding to death." I don't <laughs> but sounds cool. Okay, right, bye fun. guys. Bye, my new best friends. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Uh, so they take all of the explosives in the world, uh, just, just in one box, after the cartoon almost blowing themselves up with a cigar. Again, such so. a great gag. They, like, there's incoming cannon fire, and so they dive behind this box, yeah. this, this pile of boxes. He lights a cigarette. And they're, they're, like, huddling, he lights his cigar, and, like... The flare of the flame basically reveals the word explosives on the box and his eyes go huge and he just pulls the cigar away and doesn't move. A cartoon double take from Tuco. Yeah. He can read that word. He knows what that word he, means. He knows that. Yeah. <laughs> they go down to the bridge. They're going to blow this fucker up. Yeah. Uh, and you might think this bridge looks like shit. And it does. Uh, they're going to blow it up for sure. And I just, I love the idea of, yeah, we're just going to build this bridge so we can blow it up. Is the production. Yes, yeah. The production production secret. Like, this is fine, right? Sure. Um, but it did work as a bridge. There's lots of people running around on it. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. It's um, it's ramshackle, but <laughs> it's sturdy enough to look impressive yep. when it blows. Oh, yeah. Tuco says we should share our secrets. You know, something could happen. As they're lacing up the explosives yep. to the bridge, yeah. And uh, they do. Blondie says that the name is Arch Stanton's Grave. And mm. Tuco says it's Sad Hill Cemetery. And we're growing. We're sharing. They're we're sharing. We're the Each has the other's piece now. Blondie likes that shit, and they run, and the most dangerous-looking explosive in the world goes off. Yeah. Like, it's... debris lands mm. next to their heads. Like, it, they almost die, right? This feels like someone didn't... Or, yeah, <laughs> they get to what should be minimum safe distance. The, bl- <laughs> the bridge explodes, yep. and there's a piece of wood that absolutely <laughs> decimates is. one of the sandbags, like a foot from fucking Clint Eastwood's head. And it's them, right? It's not their stunt performers. I don't know. Yeah. But it, whoever it was, it almost killed them. Mm. Yeah. Oof. Like I said, they are, they're not pulling any punches in terms of like, are we going to do this? Yeah, we're going to fucking do this. And, and uh, it makes them so sleepy, they go to sleep or pass out or something. Yeah. And uh, the armies leave. <laughs> yeah. I uh, Maybe a concussion? Maybe they both oh. have concussions, quite honestly. <laughs> the so they explosion. just pass out there for like 30 minutes. The explosion made their vo- bones vibrate at such a frequency <laughs> that they just passed forward in time. <laughs> oh, cool. Time travel. Yeah, they did it. Um, yeah, so yeah, they're... Yeah, now the armies are out of their way. And they're free and clear. They're almost there. They cross the river. They And here's where we get a real pivotal scene. And here's where like, oh yeah, he is the good. He, he goes... Uh, our good friend goes into a... Burned out church, and mm. he finds a soldier dying, and he offers him a cigarette, gives him some like last comfort before he dies, and he yeah. picks up some clothes and walks out. He he gives this like this soldier is obviously bleeding to death in yeah. shock. He's just in a yeah. Blondie gives him his own jacket, yeah, and his cigar, just like okay, just make you comfortable for your last minute on earth, and yep. yeah. So he's got no. No more coat. No more coat. So he picks up something nearby. Uh, <laughs> you love this. I don't know why. Uh, and uh, exits, but his kindness is <laughs> paid back by Tuco stealing the only horse and riding off. Yes, they've made it. They make it like a little ways across the river before. Before, yeah, you think they're gonna both go and split the money, and yep. Tuco takes advantage of this distraction to. He is, after all, bolt. the ugly 
But yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> So we get to the cemetery, and it's big. We understand why they needed a name, because, ho oh, doggy, that's a lot of dead uh, Confederates. Yeah, it should be named Sad Hill. Yeah. It's sad. It's very sad there. Yeah. Um, it is apparently designed to resemble a Roman circus. I didn't know this before. Oh, I can see yeah. that. That sort of, like, yeah, circular steps. Yeah, um, down to, a, like, an arena in the center, yeah. so very Colosseum-y kind of thing. Uh, that's the word I'm thinking of, yeah. Which leads us to our big face-off, where Tuco finds Arch Stanton, starts digging. Uh, Blondie comes in, holds him at gunpoint, tells him to keep digging. Angel Eyes shows up, holds Blondie at gunpoint, tells them both to dig. Everybody wants somebody else to dig. The yes. American story. <laughs> at gunpoint, if necessary. And we find a spooky skeleton and no money. <gasps> oh, no! What? <laughs> So Blondie arranges for, well, I'll write the name on this rock. Yeah, he's like, I was lying, you idiot. <laughs> Duh. Obviously, I did not give you the right name. I'm good, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> write it on this here rock, and we will just shoot each other until there's one person. Yes, write the name on the rock, put the rock in the center of this, yeah, Coliseum arena place. And then we get we'll just yeah. amazing musical uh, set piece, which this entire back, yeah. like, 30 minutes is all oh, peak. So, musical accompaniment yeah. to movie. And we get the, uh, it's not the, where the Mexican standoff comes from, but it's certainly the most famous Mexican standoff, is my understanding. I would have to assume, yeah. yeah. The trio stares each other down, and it's so just... is it gonna be, Blondie is gonna, they're yeah. both, Tuco and Angel Eyes are gonna shoot Blondie, and... You know, yeah, everyone's and, doing the math. Of, yeah, <laughs> can I shoot both of them, or can I count on one of the others to shoot the same guy as I want to shoot, yeah. so we can both get out of this? Yeah, it's very, it's very cool. It's so great. I love it so much. It goes on so long, but I love every <laughs> yeah. second of it. It really does. <laughs> uh, but everyone draws. Blondie fires, killing Angel Eyes. Angel Eyes doesn't get his shot off, and Tuco fires and hits nobody because there's no bullets in his gun. What? Blondie gotcha. Classic prank. He unloaded your gun on you. Yep. <laughs> I think he aims for Angel Eyes, he does. though. Yes. Yep. So Blondie and Tuco, in the end, do team up. They do. Or they uh, try. There you go. Yeah. Tuco tries his best with no bullets. <laughs> we dig up that unknown grave. We get all the money, which is so heavy that takes up a lot of space. Uh, and then we get uh, just a little button, Blondie forcing Tuco to hang himself as they've each been kind of hung throughout the story. Yeah, he doesn't, he, he makes Tuco stand on the grave marker, which yeah. is very wobbly, oh, and like put his head in the noose mm -hmm. to keep him still while so Blondie away. rides away with his half of the money. Yep. He's not, he's not ripping him off. Yeah. He just, uh, his sticking. hands are tied behind his back. He can't get out of the noose yeah. without hanging himself. So you can't actually get to the money. He's just making him stick to the terms of the arrangement. Yeah. <laughs> but he, uh, Blondie gets too far away, I'd say, and then shoots the, the rope, saving Tuco, and we get our final title cards of the ugly, the bad, the good, and we are... Out of there. Out of there. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, yeah, yeah. I love, love, love the last, very last line where Tuco has just been shot down from... That's right. <laughs> and he's yelling after Blondie, who is, like, a mile away by this point. He's just a very good shot. <laughs> you know what you are, Blondie? You dirty son of a bitch! Ay yeah. <laughs> Cuts in with the music. It's so good. It's so great. And I forgot to mention, when we get to the to the graveyard and Blondie tells Tuco to dig, we get a, an elevator pan up of... Uh, 
Mr. Clint Eastwood in the Man with No Name outfit. That's true. Time. That's that's the payoff of the like the thing that he picked up in that burned out church after he gave his yeah. his coat to the soldier is the Man with No Name poncho. Yeah. So technically, that's where he got that poncho. So the other two in this trilogy are after this movie. Yeah. I or you can read it as it's all just here's different fables and here's where the mm. good. Uh, Blondie passes from just a guy in the West to like a mythological hero. I oh, think, sure. I like that idea of uh, now he's I like, like he's the he's donned the mantle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that seems right. Two different ways you can take it. So that's the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's three hours long, but to me, it does like it. It flies. Flies so fast. It's it crazy. When people talk about like pacing being more important than runtime, this is one of the yes. key examples I think of, of yeah. like, for me, I'm drawn in 100% to everything that's happening in here the whole way through. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 unbelievable how fast it feels like it goes by, considering there there is just a lot of stuff. I think I know why you forget some of the set pieces sometimes, and it's just because there are so many. Yeah, like, it's not a, it's like a set piece per act or anything like that. It's just, no. we are go. It's it's like, you know, You're old West road places. movie. You're going places. Yeah. There are so many locations. Oh, this is a road trip movie. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, I wanted to mention one other thing before getting into some, some facts on this. Well, I guess that's so Oh, fact. sure. Uh, Leone uh, had this great quote on the the three characters and how he envisions them, how he wrote them. Okay. So, quote, Angel Eyes has no spirit. He's a professional in the most banal sense of the term, like some kind of robot. <laughs> this isn't the case with the other two. On the methodical and careful side is uh, Il, Blondio, Il Biondo. Il Biondo. That's Blondie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but my most profound sympathy always goes towards the Tuco side. He can be touching with all that tenderness and all of, of that wounded humanity. Which is like, yeah, nice. this, is, nice. this is Tuco's movie. Yes. That solidified it for he's me. He's the only one who seems like a person rather than a... He's the only one who seems like the origin of his character was a, a person you might meet instead of these, mm-hmm. like, mythological figures of the Old West. Yeah, it feels like... The gunslinger, or the, you know. Yeah, you've got your two gods, Blondie and ba- and Angel Eyes, and <laughs> yeah. then Eli Wallach is running around being... Hercules, like the half and half guy. <laughs> yeah, where he's like, guys, I just want to be friends. <laughs> but you know what it's time for? We haven't had one of these in a few weeks, I don't think. <gasps> oh, is it? Time for a quick injury and destruction roundup. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the just on the de- destruction side, the bridge uh, that explodes had to be exploded, rebuilt, and exploded. Because oh, on the no. first go... They blew it up because uh, on these Italian movies, there's a lot of different crew members this was that very aren't speaking the same language. Yes. Oh, no! So okay, yeah. The, I believe it's the Italian um, uh, supervising director was, like, shouting, like, is everybody ready? Uh-oh. And it sounds like, we're ready, start, in Spanish. I don't know the words well enough. Okay. So the guy on the button was the like, Spanish okay, guy. beep. Jesus Christ. And he blew it up, and nobody was injured, thankfully. Oh, thank God. But they blew up all the cameras that they had on set that day. Because uh, uh, <laughs> they were so close. Oh, because they didn't Because oh, no. He was asking if, like, he was asking if they were ready, and the response was going to be, no, no, we need to move the cameras back. <laughs> You'll notice we will ruin every camera. Oh, no. So they blew okay. it up, rebuilt it, and then blew it up for real. <laughs> So my understanding is the first version of the bridge looked way better. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yeah. bummer. Okay. <laughs> so I think that's 
A damn shame and very funny. Uh, it's both. And just a miracle that no one died? Yeah. Speaking of no one dying, um, Eli Wallach was nearly fatally poisoned. Jesus. <laughs> he was sitting down between takes with a soda, and a, like, next to him, just drinking. And somebody came by, a filming technician came by to clean one of the cameras. Okay. And he put the cleaning acid down next to the soda. Oh. And Eli Wallach picked it up, put it in his mouth... Was about to down it and, like, would have killed him almost instantly. Oh. Uh, and he realized that, oh, my soda had a straw in it. This <laughs> like, soda is too oh fizzy. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, poor stupid baby. Yeah. He was really harsh. He didn't want to work with Sergio Leone after this anymore because he was like, he doesn't really do safety. No. Uh, Furthermore, Eli Wallach. I mean, that's on the that's on the cleaning guy. Come on, but, the camera uh, guy. I have more evidence for Eli Wallach's Uh-oh. claim. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> in uh, w- w- one of the fake hanging uh, scenes at the beginning, where Eli Wallach is oh, being fake hanging. I'm not going to enjoy this. Uh, it's not as bad as you think. He the rope severs properly. They scare the horse. The horse runs, uh, but nobody thought to be like, "Oh, we need to wrangle the horse." <laughs> no, they scared the horse, and he ran almost two miles with Eli Wallach. With his hands tied, tied behind, behind his, his back. <laughs> and, oh. like, Eli Wallach was, like, he couldn't walk because he was gripping the horse yeah. so hard for the rest oh, of the day. Just fall off. Fuck it. At that point, just That's fall off. It's too scary. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, uh, guys. Not, not a lot of, like, thought going into the... Yeah, not a lot of follow-through. It's funny you mention that because, furthermore, Eli Wallach was <laughs> nearly beheaded on the movie, The Good, the Bad, oh and the Ugly. Oh, the the poor man. scene where he gets the chains severed with a train running over. Oh, do not tell me this. They didn't think to check if any of the train cars had the little, like, the, the stairs. Steps. The steps. So that wasn't taken into account on the measurement. How? <laughs> because. How? <laughs> we're just flying by the seat of our pants. Uh... And uh, oh. so he is sitting there, and you can almost see the moment where he doesn't really realize, but you can see the stairs ruffle his hair as it goes past. And the the filming people, like, the take went, they only did one, and they never returned again. Yeah, I'll bet. But the people watching are like, oh, yeah, if he had the if planned had... choreography, the chain snaps, and then he rolls away, if he had done that, his head's off, he's dead. Oh my god. It was only because Eli Wallach was so scared, rightfully so, that he just hugged the ground until, like... You can see him, like, push away, like, not stand up, but just push himself backwards (laughs) to, like, get out from under this train, just like... Holy fuck. Why is it only Eli Wallach? (laughs) I don't know! (laughs) Did did Sergio Leone hate him right back? No, I honestly think that Eli Wallach isn't nearly as famous as Lee Van Cleef or um, Clint Eastwood at this moment, and Clint Eastwood and Lee Van Cleef could say, I'm not doing that. (laughs) I'm not fucking doing that, I suppose. Eli Wallach was like a big stage guy, though. I don't know. I I guess he's not a film guy. Not a film guy and not in that area, I don't think. Okay. So, like, Clint Eastwood and Lee Van Cleef are both incredibly famous for spaghetti westerns at that at moment, so... Point, yeah. Yeah. Jesus God. <laughs> and that's it for Injury and Destruction Roundup. The scariest one yet. I, I'm not comfortable with the amount of near beheadings there mm. seem to be in movies. This yeah. is a running theme for us. It's it like, seems to be. Like, do I make a sub... <laughs> Segment for beheading corner in... Yeah, oh. <laughs> no, that's no good. Too bleak? Yeah, uh, just yeah, just a little too bleak. <laughs> oh, God. I, yeah, I never, 
No, thank you. <laughs> I get it. I, I know that, like, this is the thing that was, Sergio Leone had a ton of experience already mm. working with international productions yeah. where nobody really, like, pockets of people speak the same language, but have a system. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think this was so much bigger than anything he had done before mm. was part of it. Yeah, and, like, if you're if you're new to spaghetti westerns or Italian cinema from that time, the standard way to do everything was everyone just spoke in their mother tongue and you redubbed everything afterward. Right. Even if it's just an Italian, like, chamber drama where you're all inside, you didn't record the audio then. You always dubbed it in afterwards. So, yeah. like, it's not even a thing of, oh, this is for an international audience. It's just, no, that's how you do it in Italy. Yeah, fair. fair. So, okay. That, that That is there already, but there's things like the guy that pressed the button that blew up the bridge, he's part of the Spanish army. All those extras are yeah. the Spanish army. Yeah. And, like, he had never had an army at his disposal before. <laughs> so I think this is just one of those, like, next time I have an army on my hand. <laughs> next time I'm in command of the Spanish army, here's what I would do differently by Sergio Leone. <laughs> what a guy. Uh, what a guy. Okay. All right. But I'm like, I'm nervous for like everyone can, on this production now. I can see that I've like set you into like fight or flight mode and I'm like, I need to <laughs> do something. Gonna, a train coming at me? Oh God. Let's go to some familiar ground and oh. talk about the music of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which, it, Sorry, we I, all know okay. it. We all want to sing it. <laughs> we all want to do it. Sing along at home, so. folks. <laughs> One, two, three, four. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so if you don't know Ennio Morricone, his career is too vast for me to talk about today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm just going to skip over him and say, if it's scored by him, you can be rest assured it's going to be a good sounding it's movie. A fucking banger. Yeah. Um, and like interesting too, in a way yes. that you're, you're, it's kind of, it's easy to pick out. We've been watching movies before and I've got, I've gone, is this a Morricone? And sure enough, yes, yeah. it is. It's, it's, he orchestrates in an interesting like he chooses the instruments that are gonna be he yeah. doesn't just like write for an orchestra he's like what's the weirdest fucking sound we could have mm-hmm. here or like what's a sound that you normally would not hear as music mm-hmm. try that yeah. um and it's not just spaghetti westerns but he just like defined the sound of spaghetti westerns so fucking hard and that those seem normal now and they weren't at the time exactly like the literally he designed a soundscape that everyone knows what it is now yeah and the like let's call it eclectic combination of uh instruments that he has it was all budget constraints originally because fistful of dollars the first movie they couldn't afford to do anything oh yeah it was just some bullshit fucking production (laughs) so they couldn't get an orchestra naturally so he just improvised kind of with what he could get to like more make it sound effect driven like there's tons of whip cracks and stuff in that first movie it truly is a soundscape in the way where it's like is this part of the movie is it part of the soundtrack like yeah yeah And now we're in the third movie. They've got an actual budget because these movies are making serious bank. Yeah. Yes. But he didn't want to change the soundscape by like, oh, now that we have money, let's do an orchestra. No, he. No, he's into it. Yeah, he purposely wanted to make them very avant-garde. Like this is this is experimental music of the time. Yeah. 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 Which is um, so funny because now, like, it just seems totally normal. Like, that that envelope was pushed, and yeah. now it's an accepted part of the canon. Yep. I love that. I love that. Uh, so this movie did a very uh, time-consuming and famous thing that is hardly ever done. Uh, all the music was written before... Not all the music. Virtually all of the music mm. was written before the movie started. All oh. the music was recorded before the movie started oh. filming. Uh, because Leone... Mm. Uh, wanted to like have the idea of these themes in place so that he could have that in mind while he's shooting. 
Um, and because everything is dubbed, Leone would blare the music on set. Uh, <laughs> I do know this, yeah. Because, yeah, he, we don't need he to... He wants them to act to the feeling. Yeah. They're not... They don't speak a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Hardly at all. Like he... Where's the quote? I gotta go out here. Uh, from Leone, quote, My films are basically silent movies. The dialogue just adds a little weight. 100 percent yeah like you could watch this movie without dialogue and it would still make sense yeah you'd know exactly what's going on uh he not only edited the movie to the music that's much would seem pretty obvious based on the setup but he choreographed camera movement to the music too which is great yeah i believe it i can love that this is a very like william spielberg situation yes exactly yeah. yeah but he also because he's blaring the music in the moment he would tell like he would make the choreography happen not just for the cameras but for the for the performers like okay when uh, it goes ay 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 that's when you pull your gun sure like sure that, yeah, yeah so that it also adds this level of tension to it where like you're you know everybody's like got this weighty expectation of oh we're in a, a draw or whatever yeah and like you're trying to act that but like you're double acting it because like i have to wait for this immediate cue and it's basically a competition between me and the other actor well and that's exactly what it would have been in real life yeah. right is your the second you see the trigger whatever that is whatever the the word go is mm. you got to be on it yep. yeah yeah <laughs> oh that's awesome that would actually, I'd have a ton of fun acting like that. Yeah, like, Eastwood was a, a wet blanket, but, like, Lee Van Cleef had the time of his fucking life. Oh, I bet. That guy is, like, he seems like such a... His career was over, right, before before yeah. Leone put him back in Spaghetti Westerns and made him this huge star, and he's just like, I just can't believe I get to be here, like, doing this. I we, believe that. This is a huge Lee Van Cleef stan podcast. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> that mustache. Uh, but let's talk oh. about, like, the actual sound of the music. Sure. <laughs> the sound uh, of music, Nick? <laughs> that's what I think I said. Sounds weird now that I hear it back. Uh, I, like I can't say that. I don't know. Uh, so, like I said, this is, to me, this is a road movie. And that was, <laughs> like, Leone and Marconi had that in mind. So, while this could feel like a bunch of disjointed things, they purposefully made it so that the set piece isn't the actual set. The set piece is decided by the music. Okay. So I'll talk about more about that in a second. But the main okay. theme that goes through the whole thing, this sure, is our sure. through line. Yeah. Oh, I, I grasp what you mean. Okay, yes. Yeah. Take me through it. Okay. So main theme is our through line. It comes in all, all acts all the time. Uh, it rules. It's not even my probably fourth favorite bit of music in this entire thing. <laughs> and it still goes fucking hard. It goes so hard. So I didn't know this. And I feel like it's embarrassing that I didn't. The the I, I, I. That's... Uh-huh. It's not supposed to be singing. It's supposed to be a coyote. That's the sound a coyote makes. Oh, I just assumed it was... Yeah, like, not not singing. Oh, yeah, and coyote. literally, like, this is how... I'm glad that I'm not the only one having this. Leone and Morricone are like, yeah, that's a coyote. And the way that we will tell people this is that the credits finish. Oh, goes, oh yeah. And then you hear a coyote not once, but twice in a row. To be, right, so people will be right, like, do you right. get it? Hey. That's clever. I like that. It's yeah. close enough. Yeah, yeah. sure. It's it's more it's closer than I would have thought. Like I read that yeah. and I was like, oh, that's probably artist license or whatever. And I can yeah. listen like, oh, no, that's pretty damn. Have good. you heard coyotes in in real life? N- not in real life. In this oh, movie, okay. I have. Okay, but, <laughs> that's what they sound like. Yep. Yeah. But I love how like this score is so expansive and huge feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, would it surprise you to know that the entire thing, minus like two or three cues, is uh, how many people? Fourteen people total. 14 oh, performers. wow. Really? It's an electric guitar, a pan flute, a harmonica, six vocalists, two trumpets, and percussion. 
And that's it. Jesus. Okay. Everything else was done. That was all the stuff that they recorded before the movie. And then everything else afterward was like post-production, re-record okay. kinds of things. And there's not much. There's like the desert bit and some of the ending has piano in it. And that's about it. Yes, right. Yeah. I guess, yeah, with electric guitar, you can get away with a lot of like... You know, you have you can have pedal effects and things. You can yeah. have like a lot of echoing and a lot of like reverb and yeah, make yeah. it seem bigger than it is. And they like engineered it to like, okay, we have these really tiny things. We need to make it feel enormous. What do we do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's basically they sound designed it that way on purpose. Nice. Previously on the podcast, we talked about light motifs in the Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings episodes. So go and have the listen to those. But uh, the <laughs> the. The thing that Morricone does here is even simpler. He takes the same music and creates a signature for each of our dudes. Yeah. And it's done by the instrument playing the ay ay ay. Oh, okay. Sure, sure, sure. And so it matters which instrument you're listening to. Exactly. Yeah. And it's meant to be a, like, a quick hint of, you know, you can tell this by watching, but like, <laughs> this is who has the upper hand in the situation. Sure. So the good Blondie, he gets a pan flute, which is actually his instrument for all three of these movies. Anytime oh. a pan flute happens, it's supposed to be I don't think him. I clocked that. And it's meant to be like the sound of an eagle, basically. The idea of like this big predator that's just... America. Yeah. <laughs> Terrifying. Go <laughs> <Yes>. on. <laughs> uh, the bad is uh, more bassy instruments. More often it's like a deeper flute. Sometimes he gets a low ocarina. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the ugly always gets voice. He always gets the voices. Because... Yeah. yeah, and he's supposed to be the stand-in for the audience, more or less. You could do that. You can do that right now. You can make that noise. Yeah. There you go. You're him. <laughs> so nice. I love that. Yeah. And it, it's most obvious in the title cards at the beginning and the end, because they have it just, yes. like, isolated right. the three times. As their name comes up, they they get their little theme played. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I, had, I knew that Tuco's is the voice because... It's always the most sarcastic sounding when there's like a little like, it really ah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's always for him because he's funny. And you always get a wah, wah, wah afterwards. Yeah. And that's everyone gets the same sarcastic wah, wahs. True. <laughs> it's great. I love it. <laughs> love those wah, wahs. Uh, but I mentioned the three act thing. So mm-hmm. there's so much repeated music in this, but Morricone purposefully like there are unique sets of music. So the desert's the most obvious one to me. Sure, that stands out for me. It's it's scary. It's spooky. Sounds yeah. Sounds fucking spooky. As and hell. it's meant to demarcate this is the end of the first act. Like uh-huh. here is here is this big thing that it's different from everything that's come before, and nothing afterward is the same. Yeah. Okay. So it's done as this. Obviously, it's a huge part of the plot, but the music yeah. is there to set up that pattern of like, oh, we'll never return to this again. We're moving on from, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, the more kind of uh, fluid one is the military stuff. Sure. The military music. That's second act. Angel Eyes and uh, Blondie team up. We have the POW camp. We have mm-hmm. most of the Civil War stuff happening. Yeah. We've got all the like, yeah, all the bugling and yeah, the, this like, thing. side drums, like, when you think of a military, like, World War One, World War Two soundtrack, this is the, the noise you're gonna get. Yeah, and the the focal point of this is the POW camp, where the, how this is unique to me is it's the only point where there's lyrics for any of the music, and it's diegetic, sure. so it's music that everybody in the movie is hearing, but this is all there's music. There's prisoners you, playing the music, yeah. Yeah, it's all music that you, we've heard before. So it's kind of sure. recontextualizing everything we've heard. Yeah, okay. Uh, and would you like to know the lyrics to this? Oh, God, would I? Yeah, it let's is, say sure. It is, this feels like one of those Leone being like, this is an anti-war movie. Can I hit you over the head any harder with this? <laughs> so here we go. Quote, Bugles are calling from prairie to shore. Sign up and fall in and march off to war. 
Bluegrass and cotton, burnt and forgotten, all hope seems gone, so a soldier march on and die. Oh, for Pete's sake. <laughs> oh, it goes on. Oh, <laughs> bugles are calling from prairie to shore, sign up and fallen and march off to war. There in the distance, a flag I can see, scorched and in ribbons, but whose can it be? How ends the story? Whose is the glory? Ask if we dare our comrades out there who sleep. Please tell me that's all That's the end. Okay. And then it goes back to the that first verse. Right. Yes. God damn it. Yeah. So that is the soldiers are playing that and singing that and crying about it. like. And they have to play this song because they're being ordered to to cover up the sound of one of their fellow prisoners <laughs> being tortured <laughs> in the officer's court. Yes. Neato. War is heck. War is just total heck. <laughs> Uh, that music, Yikes. Yeah, that's, Did he write that? Uh, no, the lyrics, the Morricone wrote the music. Okay. And the lyrics were written by a guy who I didn't write down, but worked with Morricone often, is okay. my understanding. Um, so, Huge yes. bummer, all right. Big bummer, but yep. don't worry, it'll get good again. Uh, I don't believe you. The, so that music takes us all through the second act, and it stops when we get to the cemetery, which is our really sure. compact third act, or at least compact compared to the rest of the movie. <laughs> True. Um, so while that music is highlighting the pointlessness of war that puts our trio in like pretty stark relief as like purposefully not engaging with it wherever possible. Yeah. Um, like they're not good people, but it's not because they're not at war, you know, like the vague implication is that like, while they're bad and not good, they are saner than these soldiers that are all rushing to kill themselves for no reason. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Then we get to the cemetery and we get the two, these are the big bangers, my faves in this whole thing. We get the ecstasy of gold, which was like so famous. It charted on like billboard charts for months. Uh, Suck it in Kanto. (laughs) (laughs) There were advertising campaigns based around this piece of music. Like, I bet. It's huge. I love it so, so much. It's like, does such an amazing job of conveying this like overflowing dizziness of like, when you've ever been so excited that your head gets dizzy and you Yeah, you start hearing your own heartbeat in your ears. This is what's playing while Tuco is rushing through the cemetery, right? Yeah. Oh, I, I love that shot so much because it's it's the camera is clearly like outside the cemetery and Tuga's running circles trying yeah. to find the right grave and he it's zoomed in so much so it is like a tight shot on him but from so far away that as they're tracking him you can tell that it's graves but the graves are just rushing by in yeah. this like kaleidoscope he's just like drowning in this like landscape of graves it's just an incredible fucking piece of filmmaking yeah I, yeah, I. That sound is that that track is fucking amazing. So good. The this and the next one are what he he did choreograph the camera to the music as often as possible. But these are the huge ones. These are the amazing. Right. Ones. You stand around all day getting yeah. it right. <laughs> uh, and then we get to the showdown, the big, the the key moment in every Morricone movie or every uh, Leone movie where a bloody trumpet comes out. And you know, it's the end. <laughs> yeah, that's the rule. <laughs> Uh, Once the trumpet goes above this note, it means we're wrapping it up. Yep. <laughs> that guy's face is not coming back from this. He's got one take in yeah. him. Get it right. Uh, so the trumpet melody here, it is a take on a very famous Mexican bugle call. Oh. El Deguelo. Deguelo, I guess it would be. Can I see? De- yeah, Deguelo. Deguelo, yeah. So this bugle call was made famous at uh, the Siege of the Alamo. The Battle oh, of the neat. Alamo. They played it 
at the Americans, uh, the Mexican army. Okay. And it's the shorthand of this call is uh, give no quarter, only complete destruction of the enemy is acceptable. So, like, Neat. it became, like, uh, it's a huge, like, revolution rallying call now. Uh, so okay, okay. The subtext of this, beyond the, like, kill everybody, that's your enemy, is the anti-American part of it. Done okay. with colonial thoughts. All, all of that is part of this. Sure. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. All right. So you put this in your, like, climactic famous scene. Is this, like, Mexican battle call? And it's meant to be more or less anti-capitalist, kind of. Angel Eyes is meant to be big business, sure, essentially. Sure. The, the industrial complex, military industrial Yeah, basically. Sure. And so this is the people rising up to kill it, basically. Nope. All <laughs> yeah. right. Uh, and so Leone's instruction to Morricone for this uh, last bit was write something that feels like the corpses of soldiers are laughing at you. Oh my god! <laughs> These guys. Sergio, do you need a day off? Do you no, want to just like time. go and... <laughs> His whole life has been leading up to this. You already said it sounded like a fun shoot, so uh, it's, yeah, I guess. it's all part of it. In a death-defying way, sure. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> that's, that's uh, the layout of the music here, and like it's yeah. done to really underscore the narrative yeah. portions as opposed to character stuff. Like, more often than not, we get soundtracks that are designed to be like, oh, this is the, like... So-and-so's song. Yeah, or, like, this is... I always go back to Star Wars because it's where I learned about leitmotif stuff. Sure. But, like, this is Luke Skywalker's theme. This is... Yeah. This is more like, here is demarcating time, almost. Yes. Now we're moving to this part of the yeah. narrative. And, and so the like, characters happen to be the ones who are like moving that forward yeah like it's been years since i've watched this movie and mm. the things that i remember are the desert the pow camp and the cemetery and like yeah they're very important but the main reason i remember it is because of how impactful the music is in yeah 100 percent. yeah love it nice three acts three dudes yeah that's three intense. thumbs up three <laughs> <laughs> it's both of us but i'm only giving one for some reason <laughs> nice yeah so that's what I wanted to say about the music. And now it's time for our favorite segment of the month, because this is such a singular movie. Like Westerns or not, it is just on a huge recommend list from, like, you look at an institution that's, like, talking about action movies, they will say, watch this one. Yeah. So welcome to your first rodeo. Keep telling me. <laughs> I will do this for you. You're having a good time. I I'm not going to take time. this away from you. Thank you so much. All right. So we already talked about like, rev- no, yeah, we talked about kind of modern westerns, like you know, post-revisionist westerns almost. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about straight-up revisionist westerns. We mm-hmm. talked a little bit about classic westerns yeah. and the like, you know the evolution of how what you're trying to say when you make a western yeah and this is the darkest timeline of things you're trying to say when you make a western yes. is the spaghetti western it's my favorite kind personally. it kicks ass <laughs> so, a little a little bit about leone so you've, you've kind of touched on this before he's mm. very like war is heck and yep. you know all it's for is to make people money and wring the blood out of it, the innocent citizens. Um, <laughs> we're such a fun movie. We're, having, we're making just a, a light. It's just a real fun. It's just fun to do. <laughs> it's funny because Leone didn't like, I don't think he was ever in the military or anything like that. I would I have know. to look it up, but mm. he came from a film background and like both of his parents were in film. And so he grew oh. up kind of surrounded by that. His father was a director and his mother was an actress, I think. <laughs> 
But he, the thing that he kind of started out with, which makes it so funny to me that his pivot was to this, like, bloody, brutal genre. He started out doing those dumbass sword and sandal epics, like Hercules and, and you know, the, the very, like, rip-off of Ben-Hur type yeah. of movies. Yeah. Um, because they were just, they made money at the time. They were basically Italy's Western in the sense that... You, you didn't have to explain a lot of what was going on. It was just yeah. like, look at the costumes, look at the epic backdrops. The acting is fucking horrible and in I all feel like of them. They never had to they didn't have to do a lot of production design because they'd just be like, Oh, we're in Europe, there's a ruin. You Let's want a sand? There. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have some horses, uh, olive tree backdrop, there you fucking go. Exactly. <laughs> like sandy cliffs, done. Um, the Mediterranean Ocean, we live there. <laughs> like it's <laughs> there it is. just super cheap to yeah. churn them out. So he worked on those, but the thing that he got out of those was a real like practice with international casts. Mm, yeah. Because America was also like, yeah, I'll get in on that. This is super cheap to make, and they generally do pretty well. They're pulpy, but they're like exotic enough for, yeah. for Americans to enjoy them. So that's what he did for so long. And then when he what was what was he doing? He he basically was like, yes, I can take low budget movies and make them look really good. Yeah, and he that somehow does something about the tight close ups versus the big landscapes. Yeah. he just has this really amazing sense of scale. He has he has a truly int- amazing sense of scale and what's going to look good on camera. Yeah, which is really funny to me because then he pivoted into this genre that's just making fun of. The way a, a dirty, awful, violent, horrible time was present was packaged and presented yes. to the public. <laughs> so he knows exactly what kind of showmanship and what kind of artful direction and presentation and like the notes you have to hit to make these things look impressive and and like powerful and good and you know. <laughs> Just, just really a little fun meta note for me. Um, he was just super into westerns. Yeah. He was like a nerd about it. He's a big history nerd. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And not just about like history itself, but the way that like American Hollywood presented the old west. Mm. So the thing that Sergio was really, Leone, was really obsessed with was the design of these movies. Because he's doing these like sword and sandal, Hercules, Colossus, like these types <laughs> of Greek and Roman mythology movies where you have a template. You have a character template. Yeah. Hercules is a, a triangle, an upside down triangle, wearing sandals. Like it, It's the design that's important. Yes. It's, none of the people speak the same language, so you need the image to sell... Like, for everyone to be on the same page artistically about the movie, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you need this boilerplate character design. And Leone thought the American Westerns had this down to a fucking T. He was obsessed <laughs> with this, like, you get the bad guy to wear a black hat. You get the good guy to, like, he's probably has blue eyes or is blonde or whatever. And looks a certain way, dresses a certain way, acts a certain way, enters a room a certain way. Because he's got this thing of like, you know, my movies are basically silent movies. So you need the character to be visible a certain way to to like project a certain part of the narrative. And And it goes down to like the way that the camera setups are done. Like all every the way you frame someone entering a room, hundred percent. And he was very used to this of like my my movies are going to be seen by so many different types of audiences. America's 
like Spain, France, Italy. It they have to be the visual language has to be there. And yeah. he thought American westerns were amazing at that because they actually took something that like everyone lived through and knew sucked, but suddenly it's great. Yeah. People people remember it differently because of the way it's presented yeah. to them. And so what he's doing with spaghetti westerns and what turned into the template for spaghetti westerns was to take this boilerplate of each type of character that would have been in an American Hollywood Western mm. and subvert it, break it apart, use it in an unexpected way, right? Yep. And that's what spaghetti Westerns are. It's like, we have now had 30, 40 years of Westerns. <laughs> we all know what the template is. This is revisionists Westerns, but specifically it's, it takes it a step further and and like makes it more big picture kind of like mm. revisionist westerns tend to be yeah they're all really small scale stories for the most part yeah they're about yeah. those people of like hey you know this this guy like the sheriff probably wasn't a good dude mm. this is <laughs> that's in revisionist westerns right like hey you know probably the the sheriff that shot a shot a man in the back as he was leaving town maybe that guy wasn't a bad guy that he shot like you know so oh the sheriff was bad Spaghetti westerns are the entire concept of policing in the Old West was terrible. Yeah. It's real, like, and this is, you know, the 60s, like, a lot of post-World War II fascism is mm. they're reckoning with that. And there's a lot of fallout from, you know, peasant uprisings and yeah. things. And Yeah, so, like, know. our hero in all three of the movies is a fringe drifter who doesn't engage with anybody and is just, he just surviving. Yeah, yeah, he's just surviving. He is just there to stay alive one more day. That's his whole code. <laughs> yeah. And he thinks he can shoot anyone he wants. And he's kind of right because anyone else can just shoot him. <laughs> There's no law. No one is coming to save you. Yeah. There are no heroes. You know, this is spaghetti westerns. Yeah. And the crucial thing about them is that you can make them for super cheap. <laughs> so they they really like... When they're out there in the desert and they're sweaty and they're gross, it's because they do not have showers. <laughs> yeah. This isn't like movie magic. This is because one of them has diarrhea and another, like four others have fainted that day. Yep. They're living the way that those people <laughs> lived. You know what I mean? Um, and they, they have the morality to kind of go with it where like lone wolves are like a big part of spaghetti westerns. Yeah. Like sometimes they're tragic heroes. You could almost make the, well... Tuco, maybe you could make the argument that he's like a tragic hero because his mm -hmm. his upbringing was you know so hard and like he had so much foisted on him and yeah, but that goes back to the subversion of he's a product of the system to me like totally that's... and then he turned out bad. It's not yeah. like ah he overcame like no he turned into a bad guy yeah like you know and yeah so this a lot of that visual language is. It's like you just photo negative the the American Western, really. <laughs> it's the it's the Wario of <laughs> American Westerns. Is that right? Do I have that right? Uh, um, I already No, it's... Waluigi. It's the Waluigi of American right, Westerns. Right, because Mario is a Western. Yes. Luigi is revisionist Western. Maybe, yeah. Or Wario. You can I th I think Wario maybe because it's the like Oh yeah. I can't right. believe we're <laughs> This is the perfect. It's gonna hold together. It is gonna hold together. Gonna hold together. <laughs> Wario is revisionist western, and yes. then Waluigi is spaghetti, spaghetti western because it's a reflection of a reflection. Yes, yes. we did. Yes, you're looking at the underside of a revisionist western. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ta -da! Um, uh, this is the best piece of analysis I'm ever gonna do in my life. We did it. <laughs> 
But yeah, so spaghetti westerns tend to be very visually interesting. Yes. They will do things. I mean, in this movie, most people wear a black hat. It's not <laughs> It's not even like reserved for the bad guy or the gang leader or whatever. Even if they do, like Blondie wears a white hat, white duster, but he doesn't, he's also, Leone, not afraid to kind of get into the complications of, of people like that where... Mm. It isn't just black or white. It's yeah. not that everybody is 100% bad. The The real, like, bleak shit about Spaghetti Westerns is that peop- it tends to just be, yes, I see you as a person. The tragedy of Spaghetti Westerns is that there's nothing I can do to honor that humanity yeah. for you. The most I can do is give you a coat. Yeah, as you yeah. bleed out. So it's cool. <laughs> it's very cool. <laughs> there's a real, if you want the tipping point from revisionist Westerns into Spaghetti Westerns, I, I would say John Ford... Uh, the Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Oh, okay. Talk to me about this. Speak on that. <laughs> I, I just, I always remember the Leone quote about it, mm. which is that uh, Liberty Valance is where John Ford learned pessimism. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the combination of that, and this feels like one of those movie facts that if people know Spaghetti Westerns, they'll know this, but if you mm. don't, the first movie, Fistful of Dollars, in this trilogy, yes. is an ad- an adaptation of an Akira Kurosawa movie, Yojimbo. Yeah, Yojimbo is like a spaghetti samurai movie, and yeah. then Leone sees uh, Liberty Valence and Yojimbo, and he's like, I got an idea. Wait a minute. I need a poncho. <laughs> Get me one of those. <laughs> Yeah. The really interesting thing to me about Spaghetti Westerns is that they, like, Fistful of Dollars is from 64, and they, like, burn out. They flame out so, so hard is the crazy thing, because, like, like but, but after the 70s, no one had any interest. This yeah. was a real flash in the pan, but it is so, there were so many, like, rip-offs, like, the Ringo series. Um, I love some of those Ringo's movies. Yeah. <laughs> The Django's, you know. The Santana's. There's so many. Yeah. yeah. So th- this was such a, like, for six or seven years, this is all people were doing. Mostly just to make money. Yeah. But it was such a distinct visual language. And it was such a, like, oh, can they say that? About-? You know, <laughs> um, bloody as fuck. Just, like, so violent. So uncompromisingly dark. Yeah. Um, but, but complicated in a way that there hadn't been room for that nuance in, in earlier Westerns. And they're, they're dark, and I feel like revisionist Westerns are dark, and then spaghetti Westerns are dark and ironic. They try it like... <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> but it is, it is, yeah, very winky as opposed to... Yeah, it's almost if you don't laugh, you'll cry kind of a, <laughs> kind of a feeling to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So... This has all of that. It's it's very much like a meditation on like the violence of the way you build countries mm, and the yeah. way you just you have to live within that system and like how it alienates you from your fellow humans and, yeah. and that kind of thing. And and what can you do when you're squashed down to this side? It's like what what can you do to be like, no, I was alive. I mattered, you know? And Leone's decision on that is make money and die. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> Sergio Leone, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, so he's a, he's a very funny character, and he like if you want to learn about spaghetti westerns, this this is the I I would argue this is the peak of spaghetti westerns in I, every sense. Yeah, like, I'll argue it, but you know it is arguable. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. But if you if you're into Leone's work and you don't know it too well, he only did five westerns, so it's not. Yeah, he <laughs> arguably four. Believe yeah. believe it or not, yeah. yeah. So, like, it's worth the time to just, like... Just get in there. Yeah, yeah, just get in there. Have some fun. If you like 
violence cool and <laughs> if you like that sort of dark ironic quentin tarantino e mm, yeah. this is one of i think good the bad and the ugly quentin Tarant- tarantino has said why can't i say it i did this a couple episodes <laughs> ago quentin quentin tarantino has said this is the best movie ever directed yeah like you don't get a quentin tarantino without this movie not no. just for the visual style but all the music as well totally is yeah well, you, also, you don't really get, I'm going way off on tangents, but you don't get um, the fully-fledged John Williams we know without this movie. You don't get John Carpenter without this movie. There's so many things that, like, everybody yeah. says that this is their inspiration, either sonically, visually, yeah. directorially. Morally? Like, the idea yeah. of not having a clear uh, motivation until yeah. the end and then it's revealed maybe there was no motivation maybe that guy just likes money yeah. like it's yeah yeah it's for for something that lasted six years quite At an most, impact yes yeah so if this is your first rodeo check this one out if you like it or anything about it you'll like all spaghetti westerns yeah it's very safe to say with that in mind, let's take uh, this little pile of spaghetti and uh, hey-oh. Hey-oh. twirl and it on the fork of <laughs> another movie. Okay. <laughs> Wait, the spaghetti is on the <laughs> The spoon is another movie, and you're consuming the spaghetti with. This is getting too far away from it. me. We got confident after the Waluigi part. Yeah, I know. I uh, can't analyze it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so let's either double bill this or just recommend something if you'd like this. I feel like we've gone through so many recommendations already, but this is one of both of our favorite movies, so it's... 100%. I can't recommend it enough. I I feel like it's long enough that it, you'll find something you like about it. Yes. (laughs) You know? (laughs) It's bound to have something you enjoy. Yep. So, uh, take us away. Oh, my turn. Okay, so, uh, I'm going to... I'm think... I think of this movie as a trash movie in the Mm, sense that, yes, there was a ton of... There's there's good, interesting commentary. There's analysis you could do on it. There's... This kind of movie exists because it was A, cheap, and B, violent. That is it. That's that's why they exist. All the rest is just bonus stuff. Exactly. It just happened to be like, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) Um, So I think of this movie as like a pulpy, trashy thing Mm. where everyone had a fucking blast except for Eli Wallach, who almost died several times. But it it has this sort of irony core Mm. of this isn't just a presentation of life this this was life and this continues to be life Mm. the the very extravagant you know blood splashy over the top stuff is how people lived and could live again if we are not careful kind of thing Mm -hmm. um so for that reason i'm gonna pair this with something that's also very long (laughs) it has a really grim take on progress and like what it means to build a country and what it means to live with the idea that anything has meaning. Okay. Mm. <laughs> it's a really oh cool boy, movie. Oh boy, I'm excited. It's actually three movies. I'm going to recommend The Human Condition. Oh my god. <laughs> film series. Oh god. It's also I find it charming that it's a trilogy. Technically, Good, Bad, and the Ugly is like the culmination of the work that was done in in the trilogy, the Fistful of Dollars trilogy. Human Condition is a bummer. It is the most emotionally harrowing movie series I have ever seen in my life. The bleakest thing I've ever seen for so many reasons. But it's basically, it's a Japanese war drama Mm. in three parts that 
follows this one guy. Yep. And the various characters that he encounters in, like, the last days of World War II, where he's he goes to oversee a labor camp and learning about the conditions of the prisoners there. Yeah, and getting really involved with the military. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Um, finding out, like, what the military is doing and for what reasons and, like, really seeing the scale of how little you can acknowledge your own humanity <laughs> in these circumstances. <laughs> and like whether this is what you said probably an hour ago now, whether it's saner to acknowledge that or to just not worry about it and just live in the system and ignorance is bliss. Yeah. Right. Oh man. Yeah. And it's, it's just bleak as hell. <laughs> this guy learns so many lessons he would rather not learn. Mm. It's so violent in like, really upsetting ways because this all did happen yeah. you know these were things that were happening but it has that sort of uh, that little spark of like someone is is there trying to acknowledge your humanity <laughs> the system just is not set up to allow you to do that yeah for more than just like a conversation or whatever yes. oh man yeah. yeah sorry to bring this up and ruin oh that's okay <laughs> uh, it is one of those things that like i am so glad i have seen those movies but boy know. am i never gonna watch yeah. them again <laughs> We both, when they when it was over, we both looked at each other and just burst into tears. Like, it's so, it's it's hard to watch, but I'm so glad that I did watch it. Yeah. Um, and I think that they're, they're saying exactly the same oh, thing. Oh, yeah, big time. They're arguably, you know, a lot of the shots are kind of the same. It's a lot of this, like, beautiful um, landscape, mm. often harsh landscape, but kind of juxtaposed with, like, how small someone is within that landscape. Yeah. And, like, if you really want to get into, like, feeling meaningless or feeling powerless in a landscape an inhospitable landscape these movies are for you so we recommend double billing that so that's 12 hours of movies for you and you can just go outside and walk into traffic after you're done <laughs> perfect hurrah yay movies well i'm glad i asked you to go first because <laughs> please bring us up i will bring us up a little bit to round out our discussion here today discussion um yeah, so I kept talking about it's a road movie. The the interplay of all of our characters is just such a fun time. It is like you can very happily ignore all of the the war messaging and stuff and just see like oh sure. here's three guys outside of the system. They're just trying to get some gold. Yeah. Uh, but are in the places they're in because of the system. Sure. Um, but I do agree that this is like this is by design a trashy movie. It can have artistic uh, wants. Yeah. Uh, and, and thought was put into. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. But it, it is something that is just being churned out as quickly as possible. Just a genre movie that's trying to just be a genre movie with a little, little bit of anti-war in there. Um, so I'm going to pair this with uh, the year 2000's Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? from the Coen Bros. Oh, about nice. uh, a trio of, well, that's very fun to watch, who are going after <laughs> hidden treasure on a little odyssey of their own across yeah. America. Real mythological roots to yep. it. Uh, yeah. It's instead of the background of uh, the Civil War, it's got the background of uh, the Klan and the, the, oh, the yeah. Depression instead of... <laughs> Depression instead of civil war and clan instead of confederates. So it's instead co of <laughs> is that nah, are those nah, different? Nah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And Stephen Root's there, so you have a good time. Uh, <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> That's really charming. Oh, thank God you went there. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot to, uh, about music uh, in there too. I've spent a while yeah. since seen No Brother Where Right though, but I know like, yeah, like a like lot about... of the chain gang singing and, and yeah, such. Yeah, yeah. yeah. nice. Yep. Yeah, just about dudes like trying to get by. 
trying to survive in a harsh world. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, I think yeah. that that would make, I know it's a long sit, but that would make a really good double bill, I think. You watch Good and the Bad, The Ugly up top, and then you're yeah. like, okay. Okay, now, now got unwind. unwind. <laughs> I love that. Okay. I don't have a name for it, though. I wish I did. but One will come to you, I'm sure. The Good, the Bad, and Oh, Brother. <laughs> <laughs> and the frog. <laughs> he turns into a frog. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Nice. Okay, yeah. We, we, those are both those are both good double bills and they are wildly different. Wildly different. And yeah. Yeah, and I feel both like a brother where though is still it's still it's like slightly more of an artier thing than Good Bad the Ugly, I mm. would say. So yes, I'm, yeah. I'm fitting the mission of our podcast is uh, the, <laughs> oh, thank you. the last bit I have here. <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot. Well, I think that'll about wrap us up here for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes. Uh, So I want to throw out, if uh, anybody's discovering Spaghetti Westerns for the first time, let us know what angle you like of them. And uh, try and recommend something on top of that. Because they go in a lot of different directions. Like, Leone is the progenitor, but then you have a lot of... Um, filmmakers taking like, ooh, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna play up the political side, or I'm gonna play up the funny side, or yes, yeah, go. yeah, yeah. There were like, I yeah, there's Zapata westerns which I mentioned, which were like the revolutionary bent. Mm. Lots of those. There are the like the clowny ones. Yes. Um, there's winter westerns, winter which are westerns often are, kind of the yeah. almost horror film. Yeah. Kind of like the the landscape is out to get you. You're stranded. You're you're whatever. Much more gruesome, typically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there's lots of little subgenres to enjoy <laughs> in in spaghetti westerns alone. Yeah. So you can hit us up at Gartbidge Film on, uh, or is that right? No, it's at Gartbidge Pod on <gasps> Twitter and Instagram. Throw those questions there. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you can find me at Dick R. Navis on Twitter. And Aaron, they can find you at... Maclebase. M-A-C-L-E-B-A-S-S. Hurrah. Please rate and review us on the podcast platform of your choice. And come on back next week for the final week of the month with no name. It will be, I guarantee, another pile of garbage. <laughs>